Hey guys, welcome back to Land Investing Online. Come unlock your potential freedom through land investing. Here at Land Investing Online, we teach students how to profitably buy and sell vacant land. This is the simplest, least competitive, and most profitable sector of real estate. To learn more, visit landinvestingonline.com. We even have a free Discord with tons of successful land investors and real estate investors involved, including Ron and myself. Come learn from the best. Please subscribe and like this video, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, whatever you guys, whatever your choice of listening's on. It really means the world to Ron and I, and it drives this business forward. As always, guys, I'm Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Welcome back, Ron. Hey, Dan. Good to be here. Today, we're going to talk about hot topics in the land investing industry, and I'm excited because we get so many questions in Discord and so many topics we're constantly covering. Let's bring that all into one package here, Ron, today. But before we get into that, let's go over a question from today's featured member. Question is, I scheduled to, I'm scheduled to close on my third deal this Friday. It seems like a great deal, but I do have some slope concerns based on what we have learned on your Wednesday webinars. The issue is I cannot find a drone guy to go get to the property until next week. Ron, do you want to dive into that? Yeah, for sure. This is a really, really good question for only the third deal, like, uh, this is an advanced question, which I really like diving into this. Um, so the way I look at it, like you need to evaluate, like if you move this purchase to next Friday or something like that, next Wednesday, do you have a chance of losing the seller? You could go talk to the seller and see like, listen, or I don't know what you would bring up, but just trying to push it back a couple of days and see what happens. Uh, if it's a really good deal and you think you could potentially lose it, if you move it back. Um, I would probably keep it and deal with the risk. So my question for you as the potential buyer is, did you do all your due diligence on the computer and it kind of passed with the slope? And then what kind of, where was this hiccup that came up where you're all of a sudden questioning slope? Was it like, okay, slope. And you think, you think it was good, but you just want to confirm for sure that whatever you're looking at online is correct. Um, but another way I'm going to look at it is what's the worst case scenario. So is the worst case scenario, you, if it's a bad slope and worse than what you thought, is it you're going to lose $10,000? Cause that's a little scary. Is it, you're going to break even? Is it that you're going to make five or 10,000? If you're going to make money, worst case scenario, I always kind of push people to buy the deal, Dan, best case scenario, that slope's really good. And you're going to sell it and make 20, 30, $40,000, whatever it is. So it's really, it, there's some risk involved for sure. Like drone people, boots on the ground is going to filter through due diligence. It's very, it's a very good part of due diligence is seeing that slope in person. But uh, Dan, I'd love to see your thoughts on this because this is a really, really good question. Yeah. So what we're doing here, guys, just for people who are new, we have a property we're looking to buy and they hopped on our webinar and on our webinars, we dive into different deals that people bring to us. And one of the things we look at is the slope of the property because obviously not all lands flat. And if you have the side of a mountain or a cliff, that's undesirable. We want to be, make sure we can build on it or do our recreational stuff. So that's what's going on here. But so I guess if it's closing Friday and it's already, um, it's Tuesday today. I don't know when you got this message, Ron. But yeah, since it's Tuesday, that's you're not going to have enough time to get a drone and review that. Um, I think the first thing I would do is probably send it in the Discord um, just to get a couple other opinions or Ron and I's opinion. I would send it to send it to the group, and Ron and I will look at it and get your, our opinion on it. The the whole like Ron said though, the thing is, how good of a deal is this if the slope's okay? I mean, if this is a killer deal. 
Um, and even like the, if the worst case scenario is still good, just close it. But if you're really concerned or have something concerned to be, um, call the seller and just delay the closing. It might not be a big deal. They might say, um, they literally might not care. It might work better for them for all, you know, so you can call, feel them out and say, Hey, um, just be honest and transparent with them. Say, is there any chance we can move closing to mid next week? Um, I just have a couple of things to review before, however you want to phrase that conversation. I would do that. And if they don't care, go ahead and just delay it. It would lower your risk and doesn't hurt at all. So I, that's what how I would kind of go about it. What you could say, to be honest, like just say I have someone in the area. I haven't been to the property yet. Um, I have a team member that happened to be in the area, which is your drone person um, that just wanted to take a look at it. Uh, is that okay with you? But uh, I think being transparent, you never can go wrong, Dan, with being honest and transparent with these sellers, in my opinion. Exactly. That's a really good way to put it. And if they come back and lash out or get offended, just be like, all right, all right, we can still close Friday. Um, just keep it like that and then really do your due diligence the best you can online using what we teach on those Wednesday calls. This is really helpful if you guys are looking at Slope um, or have had any specific example similar to this to come on to our Wednesday calls and see how we kind of evaluate this with free tools. Um, and I think that's really important as well. But let's get into the show. Really good question there, Ron. Today's show, hot topics in the land investing industry. And the goal of this podcast was we constantly have um, different topics in our Discord, topics that people bring to our Wednesday calls, topics um, from networking. We hear the same things over and over again, which is completely fine. But I wanted to bring that into just one hot topic update and just put all of those hot topics into one podcast uh, slash YouTube video. Let's go. I love this, Dan. Like I, I think covering all this stuff and... Uh, we will most likely have individual 20, 25 minute podcasts on a lot of these topics down the line. I know a lot of people want to hear about a market update, stuff like that in detail. Um, and we'll do our research. We'll kind of tell you guys what I like for those kind of things. I like doing my research and kind of tell you what I'm seeing personally in the market as well. But uh, a lot of these hot topics that we're going to talk about, we will touch base on a, in a full podcast episode. But uh, let's get going. And I love this. Good point. So where do you want to start? What's hot topic number one for you, Ron? Yeah, I think what I get asked the most, um, and it's very understanding with where the market is, um, just the economy in general, is are people still going to be buying land? So we already bought the land. Are are we going to be able to find end buyers essentially, Dan? Uh, that's probably number one. Is that what you're hearing a lot? Yeah, absolutely. And do you want to get yes, that example of that question? What question? <laughs> the example of, sorry, I didn't phrase that right. The, the, the example that you gave about you talked to the land investor who's very versed who had the same questions a year ago. Oh, yeah. So I talked to a, uh, yeah. So I think that I talked about this in the last podcast then. Um, but uh, I talked to a land investor who literally, she, she's very diligent with her notes. She's very experienced. Um, and I talked with her a couple of days ago and she said like, she a lot of these hot topics and these fears that people are having entering the land business she had written down three years ago as it being the same exact fears about the market about competition about all this stuff uh things don't change like yeah the market changes and adjusts it as a business owner as an entrepreneur you got to adjust with it but uh as far as the buyers go dan the thing that's going like i think prices are going to drop in land i already see like 
some less competition for our property. So even if we have a property in a really good area, there's less buyers uh, that are competing for the property because that happened a lot six, eight months ago. So what we need to do, we need to weigh into that by buying properties cheaper, by getting these sellers on board, which is going to be important and sticking to our numbers where we know we can under, undercut the market by 10 or 15%. That's my mindset. And there's always going to be buyers. It just matters what price is how I look at it, Dan. Yeah, no, exactly. And you said so that that land investor had the same topic slash questions three years ago than she did today. So you're saying we're never going to have to make a hot topics video again, Ron. No, I think we will. I think because people keep asking us, there's always and it's always the same thing. But uh, maybe we just repost this one in uh, two years. <laughs> yeah just change the title to 2020, 2024 versus 22. But yeah, that's, that's exactly. a good point though, Ron. Um, I, the other thing that I have is that it keeps coming up and I, I don't know why recently it's come up so much, but just different ways to acquire properties, cold calling, Ron. I wanted to talk about that a little bit because we have so much and we have different, we're going to have a different web or a different podcast on each of these topics, most likely in the near future. But let's talk about that, Ron, different ways to acquire properties. That's a hot topic in the community. Um, and also, along with that is, we get the question asked a lot. Um, I think someone asked last week in Discord or something, they asked about our, or is in the Wednesday call, they asked about our acquisition rate versus, you know, five years ago, they said one per every, they were getting one good deal per every 300 or a couple hundred, they said, which is unbelievable. And I don't really know if I believe that stat, but um, versus today, we're getting one every 2,000, one really good deal every 2,000. I think what happened there, to be honest, is maybe the, who they're talking to sending desert squares or something like that, because you can get a deal one every 100 if you send some cheap, dumpy properties out in the middle of the desert. Um, but we're, guys, we're sending, we're, our average profit margin is over $20,000. Our average sale price is over 50000 now. So it's like, the acquisition rate goes down the higher spread you go, right? You're going to get less acquisitions off a million dollars versus 50,000 versus 1,000 in the desert squares. You know what I mean? So I can get down to that 200 acquisition rate if you want me to. They're just not going to be pretty returns, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so where did you start that conversation with, Dan? Yeah, I took it kind of. Um, I oh, said the, different uh, ways different to acquire. The different ways to acquire. Um, yeah, I mean... The thing is, like, it was very hot in our community probably six to eight weeks ago, and I don't see anything from a lot of those people. To be one hundred percent honest, um, I'm not. I don't want to say they're not acquiring property, but I kind of think that in the back of my head. Uh, I, I just do not think. I very strongly do not think at this moment there. There's no one. I really do not believe there's no one treating land investing or land acquisitions like wholesalers do in terms of the cold calling and their systems. You cannot just pick up the phone. If you're going to do it cold calling and that, you cannot just pick up the phone and just start dialing down a list. It needs to be extremely organized in that. Um, there, you're going to get a bunch of people who are interested, but uh, I don't think there's anyone treating it like that. I think there is a gap in the market there, Daniel, because there's a lot of sellers who might just throw away your mail uh, that you might not get to the negotiation process. But if you're, I, I, I don't hear from any of these people in our community anymore who were so hot uh, talking about this six, eight weeks ago. And at the end of the day, a lot of it's because they don't want to spend money on mail to be 100% uh, transparent, in my opinion. Uh, and, and I understand, like, if you want to grind on the phone all day, I love that. I really respect that. Makes you have a process for it. But uh, 
I don't I think I think the biggest issue with those Daniel or the cold callers is they get down a rabbit hole on any person who says I want to sell my tenth of an acre in the middle of nowhere with no street access. They try to make a deal out of everything instead of having parameters. But uh, what are your thoughts? I kind of went off on a rant. No, it's true though. Um, I I do think those. I think it's good to diversify your acquisition methods. Definitely, uh, whether it's cold calling or different types of mail. Um, maybe more luxury mailing and proven markets that you've done. Maybe um, what was another one, Ron? So texting, um, texting campaigns, things like that. I think it's really good, but I can't be the only thing you're doing. Like our acquisition rate, I say this number all the time. For every sixty cents we spend on mail or whatever our cost is right now, we're getting five dollars of profit back. That's profit. That's our cost of goods sold pretty much, or not our cost of goods sold. That's our acquisition. That's our marketing rate, right? 60 cents, we're getting $5 back. That is profit. That's an incredible number. And that's why I'm not concerned about these alternative ways as much as I would be. If our, if I really see that 60 cent turn to $2 or something or $3 and it's trending down that way, I would definitely look at it differently, but it's still very strong. It's still I have no reason to be concerned. And I think, like you said, Ron, those people that are doing that are just looking, it's like the fear. They're scared of spending money. They want to do it the cheap way or vice versa. They don't have money. So they're looking at alternatives with, I, I do expect both, both of those obviously, but we're still have a very, very good return on investment from mail. So I'm not too concerned at this point, Ron. I just actually, I pulled up our numbers, Dan, because I wanted to do that. So last six months, and this is 100% mail. Yeah, we get some referrals. Yeah, sometimes people will call and they have a separate piece of land. Um, but the last six months, we've sent 238,000 pieces of mail. And the profit, and that's probably higher than what we said, Dan. The profit is $1.39 So it's that's almost like 7x, Dan. That's almost 60 cents and you're getting six fifty back or something like that in profit. Like... It's, those are just the last six months. Like That's why we believe in this so much, the numbers that we see. Um, and yeah, you're going to have some wasted mail out there, I, but you cannot cold call 200,000 people in six months, Dan. So we have $1.39 million of profit in the last six months for how many mailers, Ron? 200,000? 238. So if I'm, I'll, I'll actually do this mouth while we're on here. We weren't planning on going here, but I'm going to do it. Um, this is good because I've been saying 000. five bucks. You're making me sound better now. This is 5.4x. So 5.4 times. Yeah, so I 5. mean, 4. we're getting we're getting $5 back. I, I don't know the best way to put this, Dan, but we're it's closer to six. It's five and a half dollars. Um, so for every six sixty cent mailer we send, we're getting five and a half dollars opposed to I think Daniel's been saying five. Is that right, Dan? Um, yeah. so it's closer to that. We're getting five and a half dollars of profit. But that's, that's profit. just our last six months of numbers. That's how recent it is, because I want to give you recent numbers. So a lot of people still question the method and if it's working. You're spending sixty cents, you're getting five fifty back of profit. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's that, obviously you need systems and stuff to scale this, but I wish I could just give 60 cents all out all day and just get that $5 return. I mean, that's, that's a crazy way to look at it. And it just makes me realize the only thing holding us back to scale to a billion dollars is systems. You know, we have the solution, we have the acquisition rate. It's literally the systems or else you can go to infinity with that method. 60 cents, $5 back. Oh, not guaranteed, but over a course of 238,000 mailers, 
averaged out is going to be pretty, I think, consistent across the country because I know what markets we've been in all kinds of different places and sizes and whatnot. But let's move on from that because we kind of went on a rant. Um, so different ways to acquire property. I love that topic, but I don't like, uh, I, I, like Ron said, most of the people that bring that up are, have that fear inside of them to send the actual mail. And those people typically aren't the ones succeeding. Um, the ones who bring it up that I really respect are the ones who are trying to save up money for a course in mail or whatnot, or the people who are already sending mail and just want to diversify and find different ways to infiltrate a market. Um, so those are the two ways I would use them personally. Topic number, I think three now is that I have Ron, um, is how much percentage of retail should I send? So that's a pricing thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like answering this question. Uh, not because like, and we've had so many coaching calls recently for the, um, for those of you who are members, like I'll keep on getting into this and adding education and stuff like this. It, it depends. Like it really, really depends if it's a, if it's a really hot market and you offer 30, 25%, you're probably not going to get things. Um, I will offer a higher percentage. Think about this. So if I'm, let's say I'm trying to buy a hundred thousand, a market value, it's a hundred thousand dollars. I'll offer maybe 50% for that. While in the same County, if something's worth $20,000, two acres is worth $20,000. I'm going to offer 30 to 35%. Obviously, when I offer 50%, I'm still going to make $50,000, even though I'm offering a higher percentage, while that $20,000 where I'm offering 35%, I'm going to make twelve dollars or $13,000. Um, so it does not have to be, I want to really explain this to our members and stuff here. It does not have to be across the board. Like I'm offering X county and X state, I'm offering 40% of retail. Change it up throughout the acreages, change it up throughout the prices, try different things. Maybe for... 80 to 100 acres, you offer 60% for some of that and 50%. Like throwing little things out there to try and see what results you get are not going to hurt. Um, if it's a if it's a hot market, you can be offering those numbers. In a slower market, do not offer those numbers. But uh, to be honest, then that what I offer the most is probably 40%. But if I'm offering half a million dollar properties, I cannot offer 40%. We're just not going to get the return. I'll offer 50 to 60% so we can make two, 100, 200 to 250, I guess, after it's all said and done. Yeah. And like Ron said, there's so many variables on the market. Like if you're around Nashville or, you know, different markets where you know things are going to sell overnight, like you got to be more aggressive. That's why we don't like to answer this question because a percentage in New York isn't going to be necessarily a percentage in California. Like there's just so many variables to different markets. You're in versus a percentage in the desert squares in Arizona. Um, you know, it's just, there's too much that goes into it. Everyone asks that question. What's everyone offering? It just, it, it depends. First off, the price depends. The area depends. The heat of the market depends. Um, and still, if you have all those answers, there's no right or wrong answer. You never know what's going to work or not. You can only know after really, to be honest with you. So I think you answered yeah. that really well. And that, that uh, percentage or whatever you want to call it only matters if your market value is correct. If your market exactly. value is wrong, like that doesn't matter as all, at all. If you use crap data um, from Zillow, that's not, a real, that's not a real data point. It is going to really throw off your market value. So at the end of the day, if you don't have your data correct, none of that matters at all. But uh, let's, let's move on then. Yeah, that percentage doesn't matter at all if your retail is not accurate. Like Ron said, that's, um, I bet you 90% of the people out there retail is way off, to be honest, maybe even more than that. Like it's focus on getting your retail right. Because if you're basing 40% off 
if 40% off a million dollar property is $400,000 um, and you have your retail wrong and the retail was 1.5 million, what's 1.5 times 0.4 is 600,000. That's $200,000 difference, you know, um, that that offer letter is. So I would focus more on your retail, making sure your pricing is actually right versus what percentage to offer. Um, what's the next one, Ron? What you got? Um, I'm trying to think. You put him on a spot there. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know I think, if you had, uh, I have more, I didn't know if you had anything else. Um, cause I know I said the last no, one. That, I had that time. written down cause that was, I don't mind you guys asking that question. It's a normal question for sure. Um, and coaching members, I get really deep into that pricing thing just to be transparent. Um, but, uh, go, go on Dan. What do, what do you got? I have, um, CRMs, best CRM to use for this business. And that's also, um, and we have a consultation call. I think next week we're setting up. Um, also a really good topic. Also something we're looking at. Also something we don't really know. We don't have all the answers. I would love to know what the best CRM in the world is for this business. It's just that answer doesn't, doesn't exist. Like it, there's no real way to find out unless you use all of them. So we only have a little bit of consultation approach, I guess, to this, that we, what we've seen, Ron. Yeah, it's, uh, so we currently are pretty much Airtable, Zapier and some other automations that form together. Um, and we're currently looking for uh, alternative options. Um, one thing when choosing a CRM, you can start as basic, like it's not that difficult. Once you get as deep into CRM, like us transferring from Airtable to something else is going to be hundreds of hours of work, in my opinion, Dan, between me, me putting together a system, you kind of analyzing, seeing if it's working correctly. Um, our VA, obviously data entry, a lot of stuff like it is a ton of work. Um, at the beginning, if you're using Airtable free trial and you do 5, 10, 15 deals on there, and then you're like, this isn't going to be able to scale, that's fine. Like, it's not a big deal changing over. But once you get to a certain point, it, it becomes a real, like, it's a huge project to change CRMs, but it's something that you need to invest in. And it's something that we are really looking at strongly right now. But to choose a CRM, I think the biggest thing, Dan, is how big do you want this to go? Like, yeah. When we chose Airtable, I think it was like, it was me and you, and we probably had a VA or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, this works. Like it's, I don't see any hiccups. And then as you hire, as you do more deals, as you're doing more deal funding, as you're uh, getting funding for more deals, like all this stuff like comes into play and it's like, is it, is it collecting the data well enough? And can we extract data from it easy enough? And then is it connect, is it connecting? Are the systems connecting? And that's where Airtable for me has been a big struggle these last six to eight weeks as we've really grown and hired out uh, a lot of roles. Yeah, it's a good solution at first, I think, and it's not too hard to set up. Um, but like like we said, like it, once you advance your CRM from pen and paper, let's say that's a CRM, your pen and paper, your notebook, to Google Drive or Google Docs to Airtable. Um, we're at the point now where, you know, to grow this to a $25 million plus business, we we're going to need to, we're going to need something more robust, I think, and more connected, um, to all aspects of the business. We have KPIs we're tracking. There's a lot you can do on Airtable, but we have employee KPIs we're tracking. Like we, we need the phones to be connected and just a lot more in depth than what Airtable does at this point. Um, that's why we're looking for other alternatives. We'll have more updates on this coming up, but I still really, really think Airtable 
um, is a good CRM to use, especially at first. It's got us as far as we can without many issues, to be honest. Like we're just having an issue with growing and continuing to go the path. We know what it's going to look like. Issues right now, if we want to stay the size, there's not that many, Ron. Yep. And to be 100% transparent with us as a company, like our company outside of uh, obviously coaching all this stuff, um, our land company, like what I want to do next year is a thousand deals. Um, and when I look at Airtable and thinking about a thousand deals, Dan, I, I, I don't even know what it would look like. Um, so if we're doing a hundred deals a month, that's three deals a day, essentially. Um, that's my goal personally that I want to do is a thousand deals in a year. Uh, whether that's realistic, we'll see. But, uh, and it when is. I, that's what I kind of decided, like, this isn't going to work. Airtable is not going to work to scale to that size. Well, we have a formula to acquire these properties and get five and a half dollars back on 60 cents. Like I said, at the beginning of this podcast, it all comes down to your systems and processes and we can work backwards from there. If you want to do a hundred deals a month, we'll do a hundred deals a month. I don't think it'll be an issue. We just got to get our systems right. And that starts now. We're in July, looking forward to next year, January 1, 2023. We'll need to have that in place to get a hundred deals in January, February, March, April, May, you know? So that's why you got to look ahead with this stuff. Um, so yeah, best CRMs to use Airtable is great to start guys. If it's a, you can get a free account. I would honestly probably start there if I'm, if I'm them, Ron, to be honest, look at Pebble too. Pebble's a decent one. It's not really robust enough for what we're looking for at this point. I don't think Ron, um, but Pebble seems to be good. It's connected to a lot of different things in MapRite. Um, just look at a couple and see what you guys think. You don't need anything super robust at first to put it simple. Let's end that there. Next thing. Um, Next thing I really want to touch, and this might be the last one because I know we're going over time here, is outsourcing pricing. People always talk about that. Outsourcing pricing through priced or paying someone to price your mailers or whatever that is. Let's talk about that, Ron. Yeah. Um, priced is the hot one, I think. So PR, I mean, P-R-Y-C-D, I think it is. Um, I've tested that out quite a bit. I would love guys. I would love to be able to outsource the hours I put in a week toward. And I just know at the end of the day, Dan, it needs to be someone in house to do it, how I want it to be done. Um, and to get the results that I'm looking for uh, and get the volume of mail out. So, I mean, I've tried these systems. I've tried to, um, hire people who do it not a system or like a data source. But uh, at the end of the day, like I haven't seen the results. I've paid people to do it. Um, but it's, again, it's not in-house people that I can, can control with what their process is and uh, how they look at things. So th that's my mindset on it, Dan. I, I don't think anything out there can really replace you doing something unless you are actually the one training and doing it. Because everyone has their own systems. What I do has my... Um, gives us the results that we look for and uh, someone else doing it might get completely different results and be good in a different way. But I know what kind of land we're looking for. So that's how I kind of look at it, Dan. Yeah. And I think price can be something like that can be a tool you use, but the major issue we had is in these counties, you guys see, if you guys are in land investing, you see these counties with little data or the data is so much different in different zip codes. And I don't know how priced actually zip code prices and all that. I think they do. But they're they don't they're not good at removing outliers um, from what I remember. So if you have only three sold properties, 
um, it's going to average those out. And one might be a bad property with, or one might be a really good property lakefront type of thing. And there's no way to really see that. So in our course, what Ron does, he has an advanced module where he actually handpicks and goes through different comps and sees good comps, finds really good comps. That's going to be similar to the land we're acquiring um, and goes through those in the specific zip codes and areas and looks how long did they take to sell on the market? How long did, were they sitting there for? Um, and if it's priced accordingly at what we think if five acres is priced at $30,000 and it sold in five days and that was last month and it's in that area, it's an average piece of land. That's a huge ding, ding, ding. That's what the, around the price is going to be there roughly. If that just sold there, it was listed and sold for asking price or whatever it was. That's such a big, I, I we always say to our coaching members, Ron, we take two to three really, really good comps over, you know, 20, just throw all the comps out there. Cause we see how many bad comps are, are on Zillow and Redfin and land Landwatch and all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Take it for what it is. You probably won't get the exact same results. You'll probably get some results. I don't know. Um, but, uh, I, we, we've tried them all guys, to be honest with you. And that's what I teach. Like I teach the way that I think is the most effective, um, but go for it and try it. If you have something else or if you have someone who can do it for you and you have some kind of partnership, great, do it. It's a great thing to be able to outsource. I want to eventually, but up to this point, we haven't been able to. But uh, um, yeah, that's all I have really on that, Dan. Yeah, pricing's tough. It takes time. Don't get too frustrated. Just keep looking. Watch that advanced module. I'm telling you, our, our, we get on coaching calls and the amount that we're tweaking their pricing and helping them really adjust is crazy. And I, <clears throat> crazy in a good way. Like I know, I, I think back to when we first started, how many struggles we had with pricing mailers. Um, and it's just something that you're continuing to always work on. It's never going to be perfect. You always just got to continue to work. You're going to make mistakes along the way. Um, but you know, it's hard to actually get that eye to look for those good comps. Like I can say, look for good comps, but what does that even mean? Like, how do you look for good comps? What's a bad comp? That's where it really takes a good eye and some practice, I think. But that's all I have. Thank you guys for joining. To get started and to unlock your potential freedom, your financial freedom, your location freedom, your freedom to work when and where you want and on your own schedule, visit landinvestingonline.com. Join our free Discord network with us. Say hi to Ron and I. We're super involved in there saying every day we're in there getting back to our uh, potential students and members and just people that are networking in that course. Please like and subscribe to this YouTube channel, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you guys are listening on. It means a lot to Ron and I. Other than that, we'll see you next week or next episode. And thank you for joining. Thanks, guys.